that jazz welcome to the episode 14 of the show with no name sadly my co-host is a bit under the weather and well as much as i'd love to trust the big pharmaceutical companies and what they're putting into nyquil let's just say that julia and i together reached the conclusion that it might be in the show's best interest that if we would not have either a nyquil fueled rant or her possibly falling asleep halfway through the questions my guest on today's episode is Sonal Agarwal. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. We will find out shortly. She is a stand-up comedian based in the windy city of Chicago in Illinois. She is of Asian heritage, if I'm not mistaken, from the northern part of India. A several podcasts that she herself hosts as well as Instagram Comedy Lives. She has performed primarily at Laughter Factory. We shall be double-checking all of this information. Thank God for editing, right, listeners? That's right. There was a lot of hesitation because I did do the research a while back. God, gosh. And that will be my producer, as well as a reminder that I need to put my phone on silent. Okay. Hello. Hello, Sonal. Am I pronouncing it right? Sonal. Sonal. Like sonar, sonar but with an L. Sure. Sonar, Sonal, I guess. Uh, yeah, people like that one. Okay. So, Sonal. And yes. Ag- Ag- Agrawal or Agrawal? Is it like. Agrawal. 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 Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Sonal. Ag- get, is it. Is it Agarwal? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> Whatever well, you want. Would you ever get a Scandinavian go, is it not Jägerwal from the Oslo Jägerwals? I would love that. You know, not to be confused with Ragnar Lothbrok's third cousin. Been watching a lot of Vikings lately, so. Oh, yeah. Great hair in that show. Oh, my God. And beards. Some and, not well, so good. Hair. Some not so good. But some that give Arabs a run for their money. And good makeup. There, well, I don't know. I mean, I was contemplating getting those tattoos, but then I remembered, you know, the words I exchanged with my brother on my, after we just buried my mom. Uh, my older brother goes, didn't mom say I couldn't get a Harley, like I couldn't get a motorbike until over her dead body? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm getting a Harley Davidson. So I was like, not trying to one-up him or anything, but I just turned around and said, okay, well, I'm getting a tattoo. And everyone in the car just went, you can't get a tattoo. I was like, why not? It was like, why not? It's haram. I was like, oh, man. Even even beyond the grave, my mom's still like, you know, man-childing me. Be like, is it is it true? Really? Y'all got a long haram list. Uh, Well, we also have a long halal list as well. You know, everything that's halal. And really? Some things, that, some things that are up for debate and some things that are up for interpretation. It all depends. No as tattoos, as, though. Well, yeah, no, that's a general. I have understood the consensus as my understanding. I mean, I personally would love to, but I'm just furry from head to toe. So it would just, unless I wanted Abraham Lincoln's face or Jesus, which would be weird for a Muslim, or, you know, maybe. No bear patches? What about like the inside of your elbow? The only place that's bare is my forehead and my nose for the moment. What about the tops and bottoms of your feet? Uh, the bottoms of my, I am, some say that I am Darwin's missing link. 
you know, I, I don't want to misquote Robin Williams, but when I walk out the house, I thank God that I don't have pizza living in the Middle East because I'd be like, fur is murder. And they'd just be like throwing red paint on me and everything. It'd be horrible, horrible. Well, you're alive. I mean, you're I am, not. I am alive. I am if alive. someone tried to skin you, I hope that, you know, there, there, would, there would be some PETA people there to defend you. You would hope. You would hope. So, listeners, we are joined by Sonal Agarwal from Chicago in Illinois. Sonal, Sonal. Sonal, Sonal. Like hormonal. Sonal, I will not forget that, hormonal, Sonal. Because, so, I think with the sonar, people like Sonal, and I did get called sonar radar a lot growing up, and it's like, beep, 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 and I was like, I'm cool with that. I mean, whatever you need. <laughs> I don't to, understand. To, to help acclimatize, uh, yeah, uh, you know, cultural appropriate, whatever, the, yeah, when white people struggle. And bullies don't like it when you're like, wait, isn't that what dolphins use to detect each other in the water? That's kind of dope. They're like. I thought it was their eyes. They'd be like, well, they is that Herbert? No, that's a shark. No, I don't think dolphins have very good vision. Well, apparently they're smarter than us. So, I mean, any intelligent life form that's smarter than humans must have good vision. I mean, who said that? Some like marine biologist who's super socially awkward. Who's, like might dolphins. be the same. It might be the same marine biologist that said that dolphins are the only other species that have sex for pleasure. They also beat up sharks for fun. I've heard that. I've heard that they are like the hell's angels of the shark world. Like, you know. A lot of sharks come out of shark church on a Sunday and like the next thing you know, there's like a school of dolphins, you know, with their biker jackets and you know, like pumping them full of. So holes. educated coming from school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard for a hardworking shark to make a good living these days in the Atlantic. These Not waters ain't what they a, used to be. Not safe to be a solo shark these days. And, you know, there's like no coral reef left. So I'm sure the sharks used to at least be able to be like, let me duck. The dolphin squad, the dolphin pod squad is coming. But now, I mean, it's just like open, fucked up, plastic filled water. Which is kind of, I think that was Nestle's original selling advertising idea for pure life. Might have been, I don't know. What was? Plastic filled water. Oh, for pure life? Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a brand pure of Pure life, plastic filled water. Pure life chocolates with a plastic filled water base. Made from starving children in the Chinese districts that make iPhone 11s. Yeah, probably. I mean, that sounds like a product. They're Nestle's like killing it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my podcast is not going to be broadcast in China now after the last, I can't remember which episode, but you know, I tend to I'm quite brutal on the Chinese for what they're doing to Muslims, so. Ooh, you and my mom would get along so great. She is so chill and peaceful and then do not get her started on the Chinese. She is like, they take everything. It's, they're taking Africa right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've heard it's been taken. In bits and pieces and segments, everything is made in China now. Even like, you know, the definition, I can't remember who said this. Some comedian once said free Tibet stickers made in China. What's up with Tibet these days? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. It's like, yeah, almost like it's almost as confusing as what's going on in Myanmar. 
yeah, at least Myanmar is getting a little bit more um, news news featuring, right? People are like, what is the deal in Myanmar? Nobody, nobody really is concerned with Tibet anymore. After those stickers, those stickers had their run. Those stickers had the run. The guy standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square had its run. What are you uh, drinking? I'm drinking coffee. Coffee? What time is it? It's like evening time coffee. It is an evening time coffee. It's just, well, I had a late night last night doing work and binge watching Vikings. Oh, what season are you on? I think I'm coming to the end of season four. I've never wow, seen the show. So no spoilers, it's Season one that ends... And it does that like scale out and the dude's on like the cliff. He's on the precipice. And it's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, just that's scale how it out. ends. That's his, that's his, um, I think well that remembered. I just saw the first season. I just remember because I was like, whoa, that was oh epic. Oh my God. Sonal, did I say it right? No, but it doesn't matter. No, no, no. I, I pride myself because I get really annoyed when people can't pronounce my name right. So, But it, you know, it's so, it's like, that's how, um. Latinx people say it, and I guess like more Arab side people, sonal, 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 and it's sonal. Say do you have, any, nick do you have any? Do you have any nicknames that your friends call you that my might be Sony. privileged to? Sorry, say that again. Sony. It's like Would I be allowed to call you Sony? You can call me Sony, but not because you can't pronounce my name. I feel like say hormonal in Hor your mind. Hormonal, sonal, hormonal, mono, sonal, or tonal. Sono. Sono. There it is. You said it. You said it. Okay. I'll just think hormonal every time I want to say your name. Or tonal. But nobody knows what tonal is. I'd be like, sonal, like tonal. And people are like, what? what is that? Is, isn't tonal <laughs> like gradients of color within printing? Like gradients of color. Oh, right. Or Chinese is tonal language, so it should never be spoken. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Which is Chinese for a lot of expletives. That is what, actual... Uh, it's actual Cantonese. It's Bokai Chai Li Dai Lan Wok. What does that mean? The way it was explained to me, it was a combination of fuck, shit, damn, motherfucker, all at the same time. Oh, dear. And whenever I'd sure, say sure. it, the Cantonese speaking at university would just burst into fits of laughter, just much like when the Japanese would burst into fits of laughter when I would either say Kso, which is Japanese for shit, or... Kso. Uh, or hitting on a Japanese one with uh, Konya bokutu nete kudasai. Konya bokutu nete kudasai. Hi, which Hi. means which means will you sleep with me tonight? Oh damn! I just walked right into that trap you tonight. But you said it back to me so perfectly. I was just like, "Hi, dozu." <laughs> I'm such a good parrot. I'm a really good parrot, you know. So then you get into sticky situations because people are like. And you're like, well, I it you know, like that's the thing with Italian. You're like, you'll remember little thingies and you'll just. Non costa eh, la fortuna that means to, try is, to try is free. <laughs> the only, I remember there was this advert in the UK in London where I was growing up and it was filmed in black and white and it shows those old 1920s gangsters cars. And one crashes into another. And the ones who get crashed into, they come out and they, the guy goes, Yo, tu madre, se embufla aqua. And then out comes this old guy and he just goes, Ah, Don Vito, I didn't know it was you. You better ring the royal, Vinny. Ah, it's no problem, it's just the car. I'm not talking about the car. This is an advert? Yeah, this was a British advert. You for can what? even probably, you, for car insurance, for royal <laughs> car insurance. Got it. 
what was the what was that television program that um doc told me about doc mind your language oh yeah the most racist stereotypical but to its defense because uh, i know a lot of i might get canceled by you know like the you can't see that people i don't really care about the you can't see that I, I really i just hear cartman's voice whenever they go you can't see that you can't eat that you can't do that i'll be like okay whatever nazi i mean whenever, i think that there's a lot of um exploration that is very much limited you know to get to why we can't because you know i well i mean look a lot look, of I'm not, learning I'm, opportunities compromised i should point out i'm not an alex jones what's that guy's name the really shapiro i'm not like any of them and i'm not like narrow-minded but i am a bit old you know, I've been been around, man, going out Pacino here. I don't know why, but I've been around. I've seen some shit. Has there's nothing more horrible than a boy with an amputated soul. But like, no, seriously, in all seriousness, I, you know, I saw the rise and decline of different hate groups and whatever. And somebody said it to me recently is that there's a fine line between freedom of speech and hate speech. And as long as you can differentiate between what is what, you should never try to censor words or thoughts. I live in an oppressive region of the world. Yeah. So take it from me, when people in very liberal communities start to fixate on the inundane, mundane, unimportant, what is said rather than what is done, then you get into the very dangerous territory of words are more important than the actions and actions will always speak louder than words so yeah i mean that is also kind of like um our parents and how they can <laughs> commit the most traumatic acts but then like, <laughs> i respond where i'm like mom what the fuck you know it's like i will never use this word i will never use this word and now suddenly you know tables turn and it's not like well, why am I speaking from this place of amplified emotion? What has brought me to a place where I'm so hyped that I'm like, ma, what the fuck? You know, and then now instead it's like tables turn. I'm the one that's committed an act of sin, you know, and it's like, how dare you speak that way in my house? And it's like, I mean, how dare you do all of the things have brought us to the what the fuck moment, you know, and just to, I mean, to give some context, we're watching The Duchess. Have you, you have you seen this movie, Kira Knightley? No, carry on, do tell For as me. annoying as Kira Knightley is, she's pretty fucking good. She's pretty, she's pretty good. She's That's a good advertisement. Like, she should use that. If she ever does stand up, that could be on her poster, you know? <laughs> Very annoying, but also good. <laughs> Very captivating performance. She really takes it, she's like, mommy, but when she Must does talk happen? shows, she'll rub you the wrong way. <laughs> oh my God, she's so annoying. But she's getting sexually assaulted by her, the Duke. You know, like he's, Wait, I mean, he's is forcing. It royal he's, context, is this set like in the royal family background? Duke and Duchess? Yes. I mean, the, okay. it's a Duke and a, it's a Duke and a Duchess. He, you know, he's got. Not like some weird biker nicknames. No, yeah, they're, they've got the hair. My old lady, the Duchess, is coming with us on the next ride to California. Hop on the Duke, you know. Hop no, on the like Duke. The, uh, yeah, the Duke's hog. Me. No, okay, I'm with you now. The Duke is the hog. No, no, it's an actual Duke. 
sexual mm. dude. He's forcing himself on her with, you know, in order to get a male heir. And um, uh, you know, it's so essentially true. a rape scene. And and I'm like, oh my God. And my mom is like, yeah, sometimes it's tough. Don't you miss sex though? Your mom cracks me up. And in so, my 37 years of existence on this planet, I'm like, oh! You are not 37. I'm 37, yeah, I know. I Get look like a, a biker. <laughs> you, you could easily pass for, look, the youngest you could pass for might be like 24, 25. Oldest, oh God, I, I would have thought, I actually genuinely thought you were like 28, 29, I love it. 30 at the most. But I, it's all the coconut oil. And the blood of freshly murdered babies. Also, yes, <laughs> we juice them. <laughs> Why do you Same. put a baby feet first in a juicer? See the expression on his face change. Oh my God. Remember dead baby jokes? That was like a whole... Yeah, oh my God. Era. I grew up in the dead baby joke era. I, I'm, I'm, I am a product of the dead baby jokes. Like... Uh, what's the best way to move a mountain of dead baby <laughs> mountain of dead babies? <laughs> Pitchfork. That feels like it would be really inefficient in terms of the logistics involved. I'm What's, like, that sounds backbreaking. What about like a crane or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the killer of jokes. I'm like, no, 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 no. That will hurt your back. That <laughs> get bulldozer much more i don't know why i you know i i don't know if it's like as you said the parrot no but like when like when i hang out with other desi uh am i saying it right desi yeah yeah when i hang out with other desi acts and comedians it, it's not out of uh it's out of love you know one brown person to another uh the voice because like i do impressions generally and sometimes i ask the audience you know throw out a voice and then they'll say Indian and I'll go, that's racist. Cause you have to specify between whether you mean first nation Indians, like, okay, hey, today is a good day to die. Or do you mean, hello, this is Jared calling from AT&T. How can I help you? Could you just hold the line, please? Rajib, where are you going? Can you get me a chicken karama porna and some uh, Peshwari Shukriya? You know, I was supposed to, I had a Don't gig. you ask me for money, you bench short. I owe you owe me. Yes, I had I'm a right gig back, lined sir. up. I had a gig lined up in Bombay to train Rajiv how to sound like Jared from Texas. But See, it, I knew it. It fell through. It fell through. God, I I really wanted to put that on my resume. Not like, even on Skype would they have not been able to conduct the training seminars? Okay, no, it's something my, about the visa. Nah? I have regular American tourist visa, and they're like, no, we have some visa bureaucracy, and I'm like, but I will make Rajiv sound like Jared from down south. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny you should say that because I actually worked in a call center in London and you know you can hear hi <laughs> my accent is very like hi welcome to TWA yeah uh, you sound pretty American really I do I do uh, I like to think Canadian because they're Why? like the they're the educated people from that not continent. fine whatever you know shout out they're to not as racist but then I've seen people from Quebec and I've actually realized oh they have a different type of racism there yeah, they have like these Frenchy rednecks. They have that like, we are from the era of Napoleon when he was discovering the lost continent and our ancestors bought Louisiana for $15. Yeah, 
for fifteen dollars and to the bow, to the bow. We call it the land that God gave Cain. I mean, um, why do you sound like a Canadian? Um, it's the long story is. Oh, I mean, Have the you short spent story. time over here? No, on the contrary, I I grew up in London for thirty years straight. Uh, went to an English school, but I was bullied so viciously during the eighties that you know when I watched Harry Potter the movie or actually even reading the books and I got a feel for it. I was suddenly getting flashbacks from my school because I'm not saying that I was, you know, the one that Voldemort tried to kill, but there were a lot of, you know, Slytherin pieces of shit in my school. And um, I guess my not talking to them, but when I'd come home, my older brother and sister, they went to the American Community School in London and a lot of their friends from the States, television <laughs> in the 80s, you didn't have much to do except oh, TV wow. and movies. Yeah, I know, it's the weirdest. Uh, a lot of people are always just, when I meet them, they're always like, oh, where parts are you from? You know, whereabouts in America are you from? And I'll be where like- Whereabouts are you from? Whereabouts are you from, love? Why do you sound like that? Why do you sound like that? And you're like, it's a very delicate, it's a niche market of combination of privilege and horrible oppression. And bullying. Just, lots exactly, and lots the, of bullying. The, the bullying. That, bullying, that's what I meant, right? Yeah, bully. Yeah, just bully. What, what were you being? Let's not. Sure, let, we got to live the words of George Connell. We 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 coddle. We sugarcoat. You know, shell shock. Then became shell shock. Became. Po, uh, what was it? Uh, I don't know. No, you don't know that bit. But George Carlin, when he talks about like first, it was he called shell shock. He says many. Then things. it was called battle fatigue. Then it was changed from battle fatigue to post traumatic stress disorder. Right. And it's like the more we just add words, the more we detract. And again, that comes back to what I just said earlier about the whole when we focus on words and word Nazis and thought Nazis. And I, you know, there's no, I've actually find it really funny how a lot of people are using the word Nazi. Like there's, if you go on YouTube and just type Nazi. Okay. Just for fun. And also to fuck with your, <laughs> like, to fuck with the AI algorithms. You got to keep them on their toes. So, like today, th this month, you'll be putting in like Nazi. White power, <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan, birth of a nation. David I Duke went to school in Indiana for two years, so I feel culturally versed in the Ku Klux Klan. Did you you've know seen that a burning? The, you've seen a burning cross? No, but I got asked out one time by a Ku Klux Klan guy, like he had a tattoo across his, like a big tattoo, very haram callback. <laughs> <laughs> callback to the like, haram tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Ku Klux Klan and I was like and he's like you ever want to go for some lunch or something I don't remember what he said I remember there's some food invite and I was just like what no I mean no <laughs> I'm like I just I was just like going like this like what about the you know and the highest number I'm of chapters to drink my coffee when you keep talking the highest number of chapters of the Ku Klux Klan actually goes back and forth between Illinois and Indiana because we have this whole like passive aggressive covert racism, you know, where like we pretend by we, I'm, I don't know what we I'm talking about, but you know, they, we, whatever, pretend like everything's cool and fine. And at least in the South, you get the overt racism where it's like, darky down, get down. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the film with uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. And um, Samuel Jackson, Time to Kill. Mm, probably a long time ago. It's 
uh, it's, you know, like along the lines of what you were talking about earlier, you know, uh, African-Americans, I think six or seven year old girl gets horribly nearly hung, pelted with full beer cans and then beaten and raped. She's like six or seven years old. And it's got a very powerful, the closing argument by Matthew McConaughey is very powerful, but there's a part in the film that always, whenever people start talking about, you know, the Klan's not here, there's no such thing as the Klan or there's no such thing as white power groups. And there's this bit when one guy, one guy goes, Klan's not dead. Klan goes away for a while and people think that the Klan's gotten away, but Klan's always here. You know, it's, I'm actually, I don't know, you're old enough probably to remember the Netscape generation, the Napster, the ICQ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Napster. Well, I (laughs) was discovering the internet myself in the late 90s, you know, especially after Matrix and started doing the whole typing random websites just to see where I go and where, where do you want to go today? And I typed in kkk.com and I was very surprised to find that they had at that time a website fully operational with a about us, our television and radio channels are, it doesn't exist now. You can look it up now, you won't find it. Simply because the anonymous hacktivist group you know, those guys are like, we are anonymous and they wear the V for Vendetta mask. They're yeah. the only ones that actually took it down. Not the FBI, not Interpol, not UN sanctioned decision because freedom of speech. Even though the Ku Klux Klan is not freedom of speech so much as it's just hate speech. I always found their gallery and their gift section was the most funniest. Like I, there were a couple of things like a mouse mat with a, a whole group of knights with a burning cross. Like that's a mouse man. They had that, they had that like merch? They had merch. They had like a Ku Klux Klan ballpoint pen for the ladies. They had a rebel scrunchie. They had um, t-shirts and jumpers. Skirts. God, it's actually quite sad that that site is down because it would, you know, kind of be like very funny if those K-pop people that like took over the Donald Trump convention or whatever actually like bought out all of this merch and kind of like repurposed it into something. It is interesting. Why, how does, how does Triple K translate from Ku, 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 I used to think it was Ku or not Ku, but how does Ku Klux Klan translate as a KKK for K-pop audiences? What am I missing? Carnival of K-pop culture. Boom, KKK. You know, I did try, to be fair, 11 years ago, I did try to start the KKK in Egypt, which was KyroComedy.com. They can, I mean, there's all sorts of... There's well, a, there's I, I tried to do one, which was Cairo Comedy uh, something, consortium or something like that, but with Ks. And everyone, all the Egyptian circuit was like, we are not using KKK. <laughs> and they, and you are like, it's a joke. It's, it's funny. A joke. It, yeah. It's and they were joke. like, no, no. And I was like, like, what? Like, as if we don't have racism here. Is, oh, I, well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Then it's like the, there's kinds of discomfort that people are comfortable being mm. uncomfortable. And then there's discomfort that's like, that's inappropriate. 
I, uh, by the way, just to show you that I was listening, what was your point about the Dutch? Oh yeah, because of what your mom said and like how the table- And I was like, what the fuck? And she's like, don't use this language. Don't use this language. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna turn- The rape is okay, but me saying fuck not okay. Also you talking, like, is this what you think sex is? You know what I mean? Like, I've never, we've never, this, is this the sex talk? Are, are we now having the sex talk? Like this is, uh, I don't need to look at dad differently. I love dad. I, I love dad. I'm a big fan of dad. Dad seems really sweet to me. God. She's, uh, yeah, and I'm, oh my God. Yeah, and it's, and you know, the whole conversation is then lost because I said, what the fuck? Well, to be fair, I, I can actually relate 110% um, just after my dad had, it seems like all I keep doing is just dropping those like, yeah, my mom, you know, funeral, my dad, after he passed away, milestones happens. Uh, but after my dad passed away, my mom and I were in the car with a friend of the family. We were driving here in Alexandria and some kids cool. tried to open the car door while we were in it and it was moving and my phone was like in the, the the side of the door so I didn't know what was going on and in a split second I just sort of said something and I can't remember the exact swear word I said oh yes I can <laughs> I said Ars, which uh if I remember correctly I think it means pimp or bumhole, or I, I forget, because there's a lot of different swear words in Arabic that some you'd be like, oh, that, yeah, that means you were the byproduct of an orgy by dogs, you know? Nice. Yeah, Ibn Sittin Kalb. Ibn means son, son of, like, so you might hear, you know, Ib, you know, Bin Laden means the son of Laden or Ibn Laden. Great, now this podcast is on the listening, <laughs> it was on the watch list. Who is still alive? No, I mean, I don't know. Well, he has a, one of the largest families in Saudi Arabia, so there are members that are, there is like Bin Laden Group, which is actually a construction company from the family umbrella of the Bin Laden family, still operating in Saudi Arabia as we speak. But I forgot, well, yeah, so Ibn Sittin. Sittin means 60. Kelp dogs, so son of 60 dogs. But if you were to like to translate that, like, you know, like, well, what's a motherfucker? It's a guy who fucks mothers, you know, like, what's a bastard? His parents aren't married, you know, son of a bitch. Your mom is a bitch, you know, like, or, yeah, but son of 60, you know, Ibn Sittin Kelp means basically there was an orgy of 60 I mean, dogs. Maybe, maybe that's what you are the byproduct. Maybe that's what these, um, like, you know, uh, white supremacists and whatever it is, white people that feel disenfranchised, maybe they need, like, better swear words. Oh, God, yeah. Or they need I to know. be less reserved about the swear words they already got. Like, you know, if I don't know what your feelings are on the word, but some women are okay with the C word, some women aren't, you know, you'd be like, you could just say... I mean, again, oh. it depends on, it depends In on intention... It depends, exactly. It depends on context and intention. And like, really when, you know, an Irish tells you that like, you're a fine cunt, you know, you're like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's but a the great Australians, compliment. And the Australians as well, they will be like, you know, how you doing today, cunt? You're right, you can't. And then it's like, they've mate. got that back and forth. Yeah, exactly. For them, it's like, mate, you know. That is actually like very 
nice. You know, but it can nice. be twisted in the same sentence. They'll be like, you know, good day, you cunt. And then after five minutes, oh man, why are you being such a cunt? You know, they can, it just as but long as- But there is almost a, there's a matter of factness, you know, that's like been, that's been, you've taken out the impact of it where it's like, that is the worst thing that you can say to a woman. It's like, I mean- First of all, I would you know, have thought this, Horror Babylon would be up there in the top three. You know, Horror Babylon sounds like a title. Sounds it, like very regal. It sounds like a. It sounds like so many things. It could be like a porn. And now movie. presenting the Horror of Babylon. You know, it sounds like it should be fanfare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds like a proper title. You know, you know I'm looking up this time to kill. Do you remember? When Sandra Bullock, there was this whole conspiracy that Sandra Bullock was trans and like she was a she was a man. Do you remember this? Do I don't you... remember. I don't remember that. I just remember people questioning her acting. Oh my god, she's fine. I, she's I, I, no, because she did a lot of those romantic comedies, like while you were sleeping. <laughs> but why? What, what? I just remember the. I just remember there was this huge like. She has an Adam's apple. We think that she's a man, <laughs> like when Speed was and, I was. and I remember examining photos of Sandra Bullock and being like, is she? Man, white dudes get everything. They're just, they're, they're just dressing up as women now to take the roles. <laughs> I, I want to walk me through your train of thought there, how you went. I mean, that was just the conspiracy back in the Napster days. I remember there was definitely an era where we were questioning the validity of Sandra Bullock's identity as a woman. <laughs> My day, we used to talk about Richard Gere shoving gerbils up his ass. But who? <laughs> Richard Gere, the celebrity of oh, choice. I think, didn't South Park do, the South Park got really deep. Lemmy Winks. What's that? The name of the the hamster is Lemmy Winks. Is that the the hamster the, that they Lemmy Winks the who goes into the quest through the colon of Mr. Slave, Mr. Oh, Garrison's Mr. boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh my! Oh, what have I eaten? Yeah, that that's some good programming. Those guys work so hard. That's kind of you know, it's like anything. People don't realize how how much work it is actually to create content. I. Did you not see that documentary Six Hours to Air or Six Days to Air? And it shows, I heard about it. It shows the behind the scenes of the making of an episode. And the one they were looking at was the one when Cartman gets an iPad, which happens to be a Sentai pad made out of the Japanese guy, Kyle in the middle or Kyle at the end. I didn't see that one. Oh my God, you haven't seen that one? Human Centipede? The Human Centipede one. Yeah, that's the, it's called Human Centipede. It's about an iPad. I'm sorry, Kyle. Should I go for vanilla paste or squid and asparagus? Vanilla paste, vanilla paste, squid and asparagus. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh my so, God. When people are referring stuff that you haven't seen, you're like, uh-huh even my listeners were like why does he keep doing that we're not a pop cultural people <laughs> we're amish podcast listeners <laughs> is south park really popular in the middle east uh south park is popular with anyone who as you see i mean like humor is subjective i mean there are some people that go mad for jerry seinfeld's uh seinfeld show then there i never got in. seinfeld growing up. i mean that was definitely like the 
show that people would be talking and be like, did you watch Seinfeld last night? And I'm like, I, I mean, I will, I don't get it. I don't For me, I, I got a bunch I, of incompetent morons just celebrating their incompetence. Well, I got it, but I think for me, it was one, too clean, too, too New Yorker. I think that there were a lot of, I personally think that there were some things that were sometimes references to that New York way of life, because it felt like it was, you know, focusing on that, you know, New York lifestyle, the, you know, every episode they're in the diner or every episode they're in the apartment and like one of them is coming in and going out and like, you know, there's just... You know? Yeah, the too much New Yorkiness. And I mean, I was also in middle school when Seinfeld was really like in its heyday. So I was much more, you know, I was much more hyped to go home and watch Sailor Moon, you know. And Well, I think at the time Friends was also out and I was more of a Friends sitcom i hated friends you hated well i didn't but maybe because my you know my younger sister was also obsessed with friends to the point where it's like you know how when somebody likes something too much you're like okay you're you're ruining it yeah i i know exactly what you mean one of my friends uh bless his heart he he completely put me off westworld for life like i never watched it but only because he kept doing the whole dude you gotta watch this dude you gotta see it dude 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 and it just it's okay. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's Anthony Hopkins is fun to see in anything. Anthony Hopkins is in Westworld. He's only in the first season. He's in the first season. He's like the main. He's like the main guy in the first season. Now I have hmm. to fact check myself because you're, yeah, am, and like like Hannibal Lecter, right? Uh, well, he Silence of the Lambs, yeah, Anthony Hopkins as well as uh, portraying yes. Hitchcock. What was he Hitchcock in? The film Hitchcock. Wasn't he the Hitchcock. one who played Alfred Hitchcock? I, I probably didn't watch that because I was like, this this cool. With I Helen did, Mirren I, as his wife. And it's about the making of the film Psycho. I love, Hel- no, I, did, I didn't watch that. Is it good? Do you recommend? Hitchcock? Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Definitely one for you and your mom to watch. You won't find yourself saying what the fuck too much throughout. I don't think my mom would enjoy that. Did she watch the original Psycho? No, no, no. She would have been watching like Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum or something, you know, like no. Or my dad, maybe. My dad would maybe, you know, we were just watching One Night in Miami. You, you know, you know this movie, One Night in Miami? It's it's on Amazon Prime here. It's like a fictionalized concept of um this night that Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and um Jim Brown, this NFL and Sam Cooke. Art. rings oh, so many bells that i'm it's a new one it's a new one it's on amazon but it's called one night in miami and it's based on a play and i'm like you know a friend of mine was recommending the movie to me and i said that sounds very boy heavy you know and he's like oh yeah 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 watch with your dad you know because then that's something that you can do together so we're watching the movie and he's like are they just going to stay in this room the whole time and i'm like i mean it's, it's called one night in miami like that is the premise so the hangover was i I don't know why i was doing your dad's voice in that accent i'm sorry (laughs) what is that accent it's my attempt at being your father but no it failed miserably like i quite like a jehovah's witness in delhi i think it's very i think it's very funny when somebody takes insult from an accent done badly you know it's like i think it's it's very um american to hold everyone responsible for for your experience you know like that is offensive 
You know, it's like, what versus like, I feel offense based on what you're doing. You, you hear what I'm saying? The difference? I do. Do you remember that girl? She got a lot of shit on social media because she wore a Chinese dress to her graduation or prom or something. It was like a, it was like a high school prom and people were calling it cultural appropriation because she wore a Chinese dress. Was she white? Yeah. I mean, that just sounds like white people whiting it up. That sounds like every other second. I, you know, it's it's weird because like, what's really interesting is that whenever foreigners, i.e. white people, come to China or another far Eastern country like Hong Kong or Thailand or whatever, they are actually manufacturing with the intention of like, hey, you foreigner, come buy a souvenir, you know, like they're doing these shirts, they're doing the dresses so that people can like, you know, buy them. And then when they're in their countries, they'll be like, oh, that looks nice, Gerald, where you get that? I got it from Shanghai. Oh, those are really lovely. I like those, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's the same in, in Guatemala or anywhere, you know, where like you see this really like heavy embroidery yeah. with the native dress and you see these like wealthy white women coming and wearing them. And you're like, don't, don't fucking wear that. Don't wear your Which little collar. I, I find that really ridiculous. Cause like my, my mom, well, Middle Easterners were that mindset of when you're coming from another country, i.e. the Middle East, back to like the West, and you're being met by friends or you're going to be seeing good family friends, you take with you things from the region to them. Like, you know, either it could be sweets or baklava or sometimes even clothes, like certain... But you're Ara kind of, you're also talking about a, you know, a transit where there is source language and culture traveling to a place that is rooted in language and, and culture and, and roots basically. And I think this is, this is actually the sad thing about whiteness. You know, this is, this is why we see the Ku Klux Klan because they're like, we need identity, we need a culture. So let's base our culture, let's create one based on killing black people and burning crosses you know, versus like, somebody said to me recently, like, um, there are indigenous white people. And it really blew my mind. The idea like, oh my God, they, yeah, people they who live in to... trailer parks. Well, before that, before they were in the trailer park, they came from someplace. They came from someplace in Europe, you know, and there's gotta be, there's gotta be a movement, you know, a history of meditative movement in Ireland, in Nordic places, in, you know, I don't know about the UK, but like, what the fuck is the deal with yoga? What's the deal with yoga? Why is everybody so excited to be doing yoga? Is there not some sort of like German, you know, like movement regiment? Do you, do I don't think the Third Reich were practicing yoga in the mornings. I bet they were. I don't think the Hitler youth were doing yoga. I bet they were doing some sort of like centering, some sort of mantra, some sort of, some I, sort I don't, of like, Heil I, Hitler is I, a mantra. Well, I don't recall seeing Hitler doing, now do the downward dog and we will get the Lebensraum for the upward camel. See, Heil, you know, this like, yeah. Movement, this is like to politicize a physical movement is a form of like bringing your body, mind, and spirit into a centering and to an alignment with a belief system that is bigger than that movement. So that is their form of yoga. Well, I know that the Romans used to say, uh, 
Ave, and the way that they would salute is either a fist on their chest. And in the times of the Republic, they did have, you know, hail Caesar, like, you know, the extension of their right arm. I know that Mussolini, who is always discredited, but is the, the like the godfather of fascism and fascist thoughts, but ironically, because I used to teach history, so. And uh, what a that's lot of the, people- That's the stoner line of education. <laughs> what, I used to be a history teacher? Well, I mean, I was working in a vegan restaurant in college and all of the professors that came in were like the stoner history department, you know, and it was like, those guys are cool. Those guys are cool. They're the big I like the way guys. you think. <laughs> Fair. But, and go, you know, and going back, so for sure, the Romans had some sort of movement. Now, going back to the idea of if I go to China and I bring, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, it was just because I was going to add one funny thing that not a lot of people know this, but Mussolini thought that Hitler is like when Hitler came up and said, yes, I'd be need to have a master race. Mussolini was like, dude, eat some meat. <laughs> you know, like, what's wrong with you? There's no such thing as a master race. It's just rule through violence. That's what fascism is. And a lot of people forget that, you know, and that's why back to our earlier note about saying Nazi. If you look up on YouTube, you'll find vegan Nazi, grammar Nazi, uh, feminazi, fem, you know, feminist Nazi, which I believe was a concept created by Rush Limbaugh, you know, rest in hell, wherever, whatever he's doing. Steve Hofstetter posted a tweet like, you know, when you can do a screenshot of your of your tweets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know Steve Hofstetter, a comedian based in L.A. I think he's from New York. And he wrote a tweet that was along the lines of whoever said, whoever came up with rest in, Rush Lumbaugh, rest in piss, how dare you? How dare you take away great timing of such a great thing to say from us stand-up comedians, you know, like it should be us. There were comedians. a lot of tweets about Rush. There were, I've never seen so much dancing upon a grave, you know, and like, I gotta get my tweet up. Rush is ding dong, this bitch is dead and he, I mean, he really shaped modern day politics, which is, which is terrifying. I was just listening to a podcast, but yeah, Mussolini, I'm sure thought Hitler was a little bitch. I was like, you're so tripping. Sono. So Sono, you know? did I say it right? You sure did. Yeah, that was nice. You're welcome. Uh, would you say that you are a general, because I saw your clip, at, I think it was Laugh Factory when you're talking about that guy going tight, 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 you know, which reminds me of, uh, Tuko from Breaking Bad. <laughs> That's my friend from college, Adam Ingle, who asked me if I was Cherokee three years into our best friendship. We were best friends. Best friend who thought, which part of India are you from again? I know it's North. You said you North. Cher okay, so like Cherokee. And I'm like, oh my God, you've met my parents. That is, that's not a Cherokee accent. And it's so funny because you do a bit like that and then you're automatically labeled like social justice warrior. You would know, you it's like- your, Would you call yourself a social justice warrior? I mean, you know, um, sure. In the, in, you know, as, as, as much as you can be at war from like your phone. And <laughs> I think it's very disrespectful to anyone who's been in actual war situation. And, you know, I like justice. So I'm I'm not, but I think it's quite a leap to take, you know, that's like, if it's not dick jokes, then you're a social justice warrior, you know, like 
so black and white, such extremes, you know? And I mean, I'm, I'm very handy with um, uh, an ax. I can chop wood. I don't know if that would be helpful in war times, but I don't know how, how warrior I am. Us comedians are going to be known as food. <laughs> so you knowing yeah. skills, that's quite handy. Come, I'll show you where we can ice swim. You know, you'll be you'll be fine. I'll I'll be fine. I'll be like I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna dip. You guys are um, fucking idiots. You know, nobody knows how to build a fire. But did I don't know if I just asked you, but again, I'll reiterate. So would you classify yourself as a political comedian, or that you, you go for satire generally? Or observe, or do you rather not? No. Specify. I mean, like, I, don't not, enough, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about politics. For? Uh, since 2016, now officially. Shut the back door. No way. But I was performing. I was performing like the whole, there the, the whole time. I was perform. I was in. I was a fire dancer. You know, so to be to be a fire dancer is very you know vulnerable in the sense that you're like, okay, I have to make sure all my equipment is, you know, not, I don't have any like frayed wicks, you know, and- So and uh, my I, understanding, sorry to interrupt, quick question. Uh, so that I understand you correctly. When you say fire dance, you mean like those flammable attachments at the end of strings that you would like swing around in circles and in patterns yeah, and to a beat? Yeah, and stuff. There's, I got some sticks around. There's a stick, there's some sticks. Look, that's a stick. That's oh, it's a stick. stick. Not like a, not attached to a string. I do the spinny thing. I mean, yeah, you have to like that's that's called poi, where you have a, a ball. Oh, I know poi balls. Yeah, yeah. So so if that I mean I've seen that happen where a poi comes off the attachment and goes flying into the crowd, and that's like oh my god. You know, it's very exciting, but it's um terrifying also if you're not it is very funny now how my reaction to fire is like very relaxed like this this girl had some coal like jump out of the fire and into her hair and she was like ah, 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 you know and I'm like you good you good you good you good and I just kind of like pat it out you know and but that kind of thing is like it's very vulnerable in the sense that you have to make sure everything's good but then once you get to the point where you're performing like every night you know mm. and it's kind of like routine then the idea of doing stand-up is is a different kind of vulnerability because you feel so naked to be on the stage without like look at this burning prop that mm -hmm. is so dope you're not really looking at me i'm kind of secondary same with i play ukulele and sing oh yeah i, I play guitar I, I i'm trying to learn the ukulele but it's hard so have you done any if you've done any singing and performing on stage you yes. know and musicians in general are like hiding behind this instrument, instrument or hide you know and if i if i'm singing then it's like blah 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 blah. oh i said something funny that's so shocking because musicians are generally super awkward when doing or super serious stuff. or super serious we're like this next piece uh actually came to me in a dream and now we're gonna make that dream into reality you know it's like okay <laughs> and jesus christ how depressing you know no i feel uh, like I I don't mean to interrupt, but like, uh, I actually have this bit. I did it on in 2014. Uh, it was, there was this band called Concrete Blonde and they had this like live recording that was on my iPod. 
And the beginning of the song, I, I shit you not, Sonal, it went, I had to do the hormonal pause in my head. So I apologize. I don't mean that you're hormonal. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's better to get it right than to say a woman's name the wrong way I've learned in my, in my life on earth, um, generally. Well, uh, that's good. That's good. But <laughs> we don't like it, damn it. <laughs> but we will smile and say, yeah, good enough. I completely, what we were talking about just now. I, the oh, sound, the song that was on stage, some performance. Yes, Concrete Blondes, yeah. So she, I shit you not, before, the, before she starts singing the song, she goes, I'd like to sing a song, great political importance. Oh, this God. song is about my friend Wendy who tomorrow is gonna die of AIDS. And you may know someone who's gonna die of AIDS. So this song is about Wendy who tomorrow is gonna die from AIDS. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, how many times can you say AIDS? And then Team America, everyone has AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. <laughs> that was a bit? No, not the bit with Team America, but like, uh, you know, so the only reason like that bit Ironically, a uh, bit of a background to that gag, because um, when my dad, he passed away in 2014 when I was managing director for El Hizbil Comedy in Cairo. They're like, according to CNN, Egypt's first platform for stand-up comedy. Uh, I would have thought it was Axis of Evil, but anyway. Um, but no, truthfully, it is El Hizbul Comedy. They they started an official like platform for stand-up comedians, but now we've got a lot of different players. But in that time, my dad, he passed away and on the 27th of May, 2014. And my we had organized a comedy night. Like that was on a Tuesday, and we had a comedy night on Saturday. And on the day of the show, two acts called from Cairo saying they couldn't come to the gig. It was in Alexandria. So you know, the guy who's the CEO of the company, uh, he is starting to get better, but at that time he was not funny. Like he was like, as a man, like I even said to him, like, no dude, look, as a managing director of your company, I can't let you get up on stage. And he goes, yeah, but your father just died. You know, as a friend, I can't let you go on the stage. You know, you just buried your dad on Tuesday. It's like, dude, in the words of Queen, show must go on. Like when I did my routine, I did the whole routine and it was like I was headlining. At the end of it, that was when I said, usually at the beginning of a song, performers, musicians, they like to get all serious and say, and that's when I talked about Wendy and Concrete Blonde. And yeah, so that's the, the context and the background. So I guess that's probably why I generally tend not to go back too much because there's this thing with audiences that if you bring up death, unless you have really fucking good material about the subject, it's very easy to like in the comedy industry, I don't know if you guys call this in the States the same, but in the UK circuit, we have what are known as trigger words, certain trigger words that a comedian should avoid, death, rape, uh, Holocaust, unless it's a Jewish comedian and he's got something. Oh yeah, really that's clever. a that's definitely. I mean, now that's not just in comedy. You know, that's like Americans in general are like trigger, trigger, trigger warning, trigger word. 
because there was this great TV show back in the mid nineties called Trigger Happy TV, <laughs> which was this comedian in the UK. <clears throat> I forget his name, but he used to do like live practical jokes. So like, you remember the old Nokia ringtone? Yeah. The that really yeah. classical Paul like anyway. So he'd be in the middle of a crowded public place. So it could be a library, could be a cafe, and suddenly you'd hear that ringtone really, really loudly. And then he would suddenly jump up with this big inflatable mobile phone and then just start screaming, Hello! I'm in the library! No, I can't talk right now. You know, he would just do like random, like one time he would dress up as a snail and cross the zebra crossing really, really slowly, <laughs> you know. That just kind of sounds like white men to me doing white shit. But funny white shit. I guess. I mean, that. yeah, I don't know if you can tell by my face, but I'm like, that doesn't sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not British enough. You know, you have to be British to appreciate it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, maybe. Like, maybe that's you're from You're from the other side I'm... of the Atlantic. You know, you find stuff like Abbott and Costello more funny than Laurel and Hardy. It's, 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 it's fine. Those are very old references that I, I am familiar with those words, but I would have to Google the, you know, no, I mean, it's, it is, you know, like that cat video went really viral and I was like, oh, this is mildly amusing, but people were, you know, with the lawyer where he's accidentally using the cat filter. You, you didn't hear about this over in the, Egypt? The, rip, rip, the, rip, rip, the guy playing the tabla and the cat dancing. No, no, no. There was a Zoom call. Where there was yeah, I've seen that. I've seen and that. And the guy's like, I yeah, assure yeah. you, I'm not a cat. You know, I and, believe you're not a cat, but I and, think you yes. have a filter and then on. Stand-up comedians were responding to that, like, I will never write a bit that has gotten this much laughter out of people. You know, and that's kind of the thing about random stuff going viral. And like I didn't I didn't think the cat thing was that funny. I thought it was like, Oh, this is this is funny. People are idiots. What do you I mean? Thought you it, I thought it was funny in the sense of like, you know, huh. It's like a using puppies in a toilet paper advert. I don't understand the relationship, but but it, it I sells, mean I do fully, I mean the the act of creating laughter I think is incredibly powerful and incredibly individual. And because I spent so long out of the country, there's a lot of stuff within the country that I fully don't understand, you know, and and there's a lot of stuff that goes over my head. How and long I'm like you, um, I was out for like 10, 12 years. Okay, because I tried to look you up for our bio, uh, or like whenever I bring a guest on, I try to do a bit of research, you know, I get in touch with my old friends at the MI5, and they told me, stop calling us. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're like, her file is a mess, you know, it's, it's, she doesn't have her bio organized, and it's annoying to us too. But you're actually, but there is a lot of articles about you, including that that you did an online gig for Valentine's Day in Chicago, 2021? Well, I mean, my, yeah, from 2016. But from the time before, you know, like all the, and, you know, just to wrap that, the fire dancing, it then it's like, it really, I remember I did a gig in Germany at a festival and Germans are not improvisers. Germans are planners. <laughs> Germans are I, planners. I don't know. From a historical perspective, that is sometimes debatable, but carry on. I mean, in terms of like, these are fire dancing hippies 
that like, you know, I mean, and I love German hippies because like they even, they show up to smoke that spliff on time, you know, and they're like, let's get high. But on they're a bit time. like Snoop Dogg and Half Baked. Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up? I see you got a little something, something smoking, smoking going on here. Yeah, that's some great, you know, have you not seen Half Baked? No, not at all like that. They're like, hello, is this the time in which we are going to smoke the joints? And is it okay if I smoke with you? Yes, I know it big. No, they're not. They're not sneaking in to situations. You don't they're know like any. You don't crazy. know any Stoner Deutsch. Uh, I mean, not the the ones that I know are very timely and very respectful and very like we made an appointment. Has so to the Scheiße, which means have you got the shit? Yeah, ich habe the Scheiße. I've got the shit. Yeah. Kannst du yeah. bauen eine so, Tüte? Can you build it? Can you roll a joint? <laughs> oh my God, we're doing random vocabulary lessons now. So. Um, when um, we're, I'm at this festival in Germany, I mean, there's like hundreds of people gathered for like the music is supposed to cue. And then there's supposed to be a whole, you know, running order of performers with their music going out. The music isn't, the music isn't working. And these Germans are freaking the fuck out. They're like, so take your ukulele. And, go, and I'm like, my ukulele, what do you want me to do with the ukulele? Set it on fire? Like, <laughs> you can't hear ukulele. So then I go out and I'm like, Deutschland! At least you didn't do the mistake. Oh no, did I lose you? To go into an open mic where it's like 40 dudes, you know, I, but you're I like- I lost you I, with Deutschland. It, suddenly, I don't know if I'll have that in the recording, but I uh, I can always post edit it. But you said something about Deutschland. That was a little- Bloody internet, come on, creating more editing for people. I said, I had to go out in front of this crowd and I'm like, are you guys ready for a festival? Are you guys ready for a show? All right, let's get this side with a beat. Okay, now this side. You know, and it was um, it was intense. It was intense. We finally got some sort of beat happening and created an environment where people feel connected to a show. Now take that experience, translate that to like 40 white dudes at an open mic at 10 p.m. in Chicago, you know, and it's like, a lot of women will feel no women, just 40 white dudes. What were you doing? A stag night? They wanted I mean, a stripper like a and then somebody of, booked that's a comedian. very what how many women do you know doing stand-up in Egypt? I see your pictures. It's it's all dudes. Uh, they're all dudes, yes, but there are women. There are like three or four. Where? Oh my god. <laughs> it's so hilarious that you are swimming in the patriarchy that is the world. And you're like, wait, but why were you tonight with only dudes? Like, <laughs> that's the world. Because I, I exist. Calling the kettle in the black. World. All right, I got you. Well, no, I, I'm I'm not the pot or the kettle. You are both the pot and the kettle in this in this situation. It was my understanding we were not going to talk about smoking pot. No, I'm joking. Carry on. I mean, to be a woman and in this world and to want to do anything that's not just getting married and being home quietly with kids means you're going to be in a world full of fucking dicks. The path to anywhere is paved with tiny, tiny little dicks that have whatever power they have, they will fucking wave in your face and be like, listen, bitch, you're not getting on this open, you know, and then there's also the other side. There are a lot of really, really nice dudes with equally tiny dicks that are like, please, <laughs> please okay. be nice to me. Please be nice to me. I am terrified. I'm terrified of women and I want nothing more than to have a woman friend. And maybe that, that could be you, you know, but, and then when you've been a fire dancer to walk into a room of 40, you know, like really socially awkward white men, you're like, cool, whatever. I just need to hear myself on stage. I need to go to the gym. 
and you train as a comedian and get better at this job that I've now chosen for myself, you know, but unfortunately, a lot of women get really freaked out and very deterred by stagnite, which is just an open mic. So I, I was joking. It was a stagnite or is it a I mean, no, I'm, I'm doing a callback to your reference. Oh, yeah. Okay. I get you. Okay. As, if the, as if there's something extraordinary about 40 <laughs> white dudes at an open mic. Like, that's just open mic culture. I don't know what open mic culture looks like in Egypt. I hope it's loads of women. I hope it's tons of women. Well, it's, it's actually, you know, it's funny you should say that because when comedians organize an open mic, it's an open mic for comedy. And you will, hopefully, there is always a chance of anywhere between one to three women getting up there and trying out new material, sometimes four, sometimes oh, veiled, sometimes unveiled, because like in the stand-up circuit, like in our circuit of comedians, we are very encouraging of women comedians. On the contrary, there's these three comedians, they do comedy workshops online with the uh, Sync School, which is like a voiceover something to do with voice dubs and voiceovers. And, and they organized these online sessions and they have one of their applicants was a woman who did come and did stand up material at their open mic. And then you have these open mic nights that are not organized by comedians. And you'll have a lot of women coming up and, you know, sometimes reciting poetry in Arabic or doing a, you know, someone comes in with the, like, it'll be a girl on the stage and she'll have her friend on the guitar playing a backing something and she's singing. So there is like, like in the, you could say in the generation X onwards is very encouraging of women in the live arts, you know, women performers, women in the creative arts from the millennials onward, like millennials onwards are incredibly pushing it forward for like a diverse, equal, balanced, harmonious structure. As you said, it is the older generation that are very, you know, that generation that was born in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and right up until mid to late 60s. But you'll also get a lot of conservative people that will be in the way of progress, like Egypt's first woman stand-up comedian is Noha Keito. And if you Google her, Noha Keito, that's N-O-H-A-K-A-T-O, she started doing stand-up in, I want to say 2010. She might have even started as early as 20, uh, 2009. I don't know why I was going to say 29. That's the weird thing. You know, you can say 2010, 2011, but you can't say 29, 21 without people thinking you're talking about 2021. But anyway, random weird thoughts. Point is, though, that when she started doing stand-up, like her parents, like her father is ex-military, was in the, I think, in the Air Force or in the Army, in the infantry, I'm not too sure. So he comes from that very pseudo-traditional, pseudo-conservative background, but yet he was very, very encouraging of his daughter to do stand-up because we are like from, I would say from 2010, 2011, especially after the Arab Spring, a lot of shifts started to happen within our culture that is not making us as old fashioned as we used to be, if that makes sense. I'm sorry, I hope I didn't get too preachy. I mean, great, that, that's all, that's cool. You know, like that's at, this, at the same time, I feel like any man can, you know, spout all of the, 
you know, like, no, we, we like women, you know, and at the same time, make women so uncomfortable and be so deeply unaware. And so speaking about like, I'm a feminist, you know, first of all, for a man to identify as a feminist already sounds like there's some ulterior motive. <laughs> I'm not a feminist. Like, I'm an equalist. Whatever, you know, but for, for <laughs> it always sounds like there's some I've dismissed your thoughts. <laughs> Only mean, women have sounds, an opinion on my, <laughs> on your podcast. Everyone has even, an opinion. Even for, um, it, you know, for, for men to be expressing opinions about mm. women is super uncomfortable, you know, because it's like, cool, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you know? So like, in terms of like the woman's experience, you know, so mm. that's cool. I, I hope that women, you know, and then it will come when we start to see more women, because then it's, I mean, we're in the very, very, very beginning stages of mm. seeing any move towards equality. So it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be quite the, quite the journey you know, quite the journey. And, and it's a very vulnerable thing, the beginning stages of doing stand-up comedy. I mean, I'm sure that happens everywhere where you see the number of people, you know, it's like the first year of law school, right? Where it's like, look to your left, look to your right. You know, two of you aren't going to make it something like that. Right. Where it's like, it's the same with people who go through the first year of, of doing open mics, you know, then how many people there's like, I feel like there's a three-year cycle of just people in general that are like, I tried, I'm done now with stand-up you know it's 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 a very unforgiving you know field the, uh, generally like i mean i don't know what it's like for the u.s circuit but in the uk circuit i know that it's if you've done over a hundred gigs then you should be like that's the 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 ideology is that if you've done over a hundred gigs you should be starting to get paid gigs which means and then sometimes you will see in certain forums on Facebook, like professional, uh, I think it's called professional comedians uh, group or professional bookers and comedians. So you'll see like a uh, hundred plus gigs requirements. Like it'll say like, you know, I'm, I've got a night in Derby and it, I need I don't, an I don't know a how headline. it translates. I don't know how, tra because even when you said, um, when you organize an open mic, I mean, before in the begin before times, there were five to 10 open mics on every night in yeah. Chicago, yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm sure it's the same in New York where there's just, there's a crazy abundance. Yeah, yeah um, same in London, same, but like Cairo would not so much, even before the pandemic, we were like- Okay, so it's like that in London as well, where there's five to 10 open mics on, Oh my and God, I, it, like London, you've got, like the way I was saying it in my one of my last, earlier podcasts where like London, if you wanted to be an actor, you'd go to Hollywood or Bollywood, depending on your ethnicity. And if you wanted to make it into comedy, like in the UK, you'd go to London or the North, like you'd go to Birmingham, Manchester or Edinburgh. Well, I mean, and it's the same where it's like, how are you supposed to sustain yourself as a comedian in a city like London, it's it's so expensive. It's like New York. Well, it, it's funny you should say that because I actually did my, I did a thesis on the different types of comedians that exist in the UK circuit. And it came down to three categories, essentially. Like if you boil it down, there's three types of comedians in the UK. You've got the first type that are doing it as like they have a Monday to Friday, nine to five job. And I've had one comedian I interviewed, he was like, you know, the money I get from stand-up comedy is my beer money. 
you know, like I work in the city, I work in finance, or I work in real estate, or I work in an office. And this is pro these are like uh, English people, right? The, these are, these are like people. people, like yeah, they were like they were British. Uh, that because guy in like particular was in. Not, yeah, I, no, I need like, a visa, I need a gig, I need housing, you know, like. Well, we're talking about people who live, like the people right, I right, interviewed. Right. people who live there. But there was actually one comedian I interviewed, he was from New Zealand. And he was in that category that you just described, you know, got to get a work visa. And he was working as, I think he had one or two different part-time jobs. And he was doing the stand-up comedy as well because it was something he did in New Zealand and he wanted to do it in the UK. So you get a lot of people that will work hard, you know, to, to sing for their dinner, so to speak. Um, and then you've got the, the full-time professional comedian has a manager or has an agent or is represented by an agency. And they're doing between, it could be anywhere between just three to five gigs a day, seven days a week, or sometimes it all depends. Like there, it all depends on the comedian and the region they're from, where they live. If they live in London and they just want to do like, sometimes they will end up moving to the States and becoming writers. Like there are two comedians I just found out recently that I knew from the French festivals in Edinburgh and they're working on the Jim Jeffries show, like as writers on the Jim Jeffries show. So it's all down to like, you know, there are certain comedians and like here in Egypt, I can see that demographic coming about where there are some comedians that they work as architects or engineers or lawyers or doctors, and they do comedy on the side. And then there are those comedians that are starting to work in like creative content and advertising. So like, it's, it's a very interesting time that we live in for like the the diversity of different comedians and their backgrounds and what they do but and it's uh it's always hard at no point is it like it's just so easy i just get up and do <laughs> you know it's it's uh it's hard it was shakespeare who said the path of true love never did run smooth i and mean and that's just that's that's um you know emotional labor that's the then like the <laughs> career yeah. the love of a career it's, it's it's super hard it is super hard i mean like i have this recurring question i always ask all my guests and i'll ask you because my educated guests with your fire dancing background i don't know if you did improv theater or any kind of theater throughout your years like high school or college and then you became a stand-up obviously you're creating content and do you ever find yourself getting hit with a creative block or a creator's block if so how do you overcome do you have any shareable secrets that you can give our fellow creative listeners like how to overcome creator's block i mean right now we're living in a time where it's like you know everything is online so everything you know and, and i am not one to be um i'm not like an editing ninja you know and i think a lot of people are thriving online who are already doing well online you know on before in in, in the before times and um i think that it's it's okay in and i i think in terms of cultivating a healthy environment for all emotions to exist 
you know, like you can, you can feel rage and you can feel frustration and you can feel really upset, you know, and to allow those, allow those emotions to exist and, you know, take a rage nap, take a rage nap, take an edible, you know, when it's, when, you know, go to therapy, get on your bike. There's lots of things that you can do to be in your body so that emotions can move. But I think the worst thing that you can do is be like, oh God, here comes this thing. I have to avoid it or do everything to stop it because you're just creating like some sort of emotional constipation or energetic constipation someplace that will then later manifest in a tumor or something, you know, like I'm a very emotionally expressive person. And I think to be an actor because I'm, I'm acting now. And that's one of the things that people who want to do stand up don't necessarily I'm in this web series called code switched that you can watch on YouTube It's very it's very cute and it's very different to be dramatic in the moment that the emotions are happening and then to be able to call upon mm -hmm. those emotions when the director is like okay action you know and um, I think there are a lot of stand-ups who are like I hate acting and they don't they don't like to do that but I really like it I'm actually participating in a Australian written worldwide connected via zoom theater production and i play the part of the american soldier walker who is from alabama nice. so i got a chance to show off my southern skills and my southern accent and it's kind of fun you know i get to play a lovesick fool you know and the guy is a phenomenal writer the script is i mean i've what's done the name of your character walker Walk, see, I'll never get cast as a walker. That's real. That's real. I, I was so real surprised bad. when, like, when I got told, you know, what I, I, I had not read the script, which was stupid. You're like, before. oh my god, I am light skinned enough to actually pass <laughs> for a walker. I didn't know because, like, for me, my thinking was not about my skin complexion because I've I've never been called, you know, excuse me, sir, are you one of us? <laughs> I've never had that moment, you know. Like, I've always had that. Where are you from, sir? <laughs> You don't look like you're from these parts. Um, no, I'm not. I'm from Britain. Oh, I, I thought you were um, like Mexican. Um, okay, okay, okay. So you're brown passing for for the whites, and I for am, the browns, it's like, is that a tan white man? Is he an albino Arab? <laughs> but you got this part, and now you're going to do some acting, and you're excited about it. Very excited because I haven't done theater work since 2002. You know, like I haven't been like I, w I used to be in improv theater before I did stand up. Well, and an improv is very different from very different. Yeah, 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 no, it's very different. I even did like my in the UK, we call them A levels, but in the US, your equivalent would be AP. So and I just didn't... to ask, how long do your recording sessions usually go for? Because I had anticipated an hour. Yeah, no, the, oh, you mean these, uh, so I usually try to aim it for an hour and that was my last question, the Montreal Creators Block. And uh, we, they, they tend, time tends to fly. Uh, sometimes the podcast can be up to two hours. Sometimes they're just 40 minutes. I would encourage you to share that with your guests. That's vital information. To well, I, I also, I make the presumption that most of my guests would have seen the times of the other episodes and would have checked them out and uh but like i can let you go no that, that we can come no, to a close well no that's, you've, that's, if you've had enough of the show with no name it's understandable because it's the show with no name has no rules has no barriers we can talk about whatever we want 
within oh, reason absolutely, that doesn't get me arrested? Absolutely. I think in the in the booking email for anybody out there making podcasts, you should tell your guests this could be from one hour to two hours so that they don't assume an hour and then think that they need to eat and prepare for other appointments that they have later in the day. And no, that's fine. And just for contextual background for future budding guests, I'm going to leave all of this in so that it serves as a healthy reminder for the show with no name should also really let their guests know how long our shows go on for. Yeah. Isn't that right, listeners? (laughs) It feels like I'm like failing a pop quiz. Like you tell me how long this show goes for. You're supposed to have watched the show um, that you're on, I'm like, what? No, I listened to five minutes of one episode and I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I have, everything is on screens. Every, everything is on screens. I'm, I'm so touched that you gave my podcast five minutes of your five time. Five whole minutes. Five whole minutes. Wow, that's just like <laughs> soul crushing, but such a very powerful endorsement of, for my- I would, I, this should, how many minutes of my podcast have you, you should put your guests on the spot. And be and ask them how many minutes they've listened to. See if you get honest answers out of people. You well, no, them. I know I've I've had I've got like a guest on actually tomorrow who ironically does his own podcast with another comedian. But when I asked him if he'd listened to the podcast, yet he goes, oh, "I don't listen to podcasts." Damn. See, I had to have some like cool answer like that. Like, no, I don't actually listen to the future reference. You know what to do. You'd be like, I oh, know, I just make them. I don't listen to them. What a douche. Sounds like quite the douche for tomorrow's guests. <laughs> Who is it? Who's the guest tomorrow? That would be the lovable Muhammad Gamal al-Din, also known as Jimmy, an Egyptian comedian from Alexandria. Well, I'll keep an eye out for that episode that I probably am not going to listen to, but... Except for maybe the last five minutes or first five minutes or... I lis- I'm listening to uh, audiobooks right now. I like reading books with my ears. It makes me feel really smart. I have to do a lot of rewinding. That's fair. No, but you do raise a valid point. So at this point, I will now ask you, Sonal, do you have anything you would like our listeners that have made it this far that they would like you would like them to listen to, go to, check, even though there will be links on the course on the course on the episode's description. I mean, I'd love to hear what your guys' opinion on Code Switch. It's a web series we made with a bunch of other uh, black and brown folk here in Chicago. It's very cute. It's very nice to see so many brown people on screen just doing like regular things. And, um, you know, it's not so much like the marriage narrative that we see with brown people on screen. And I'm doing a weekly uh, Zoom comedy show every Wednesday with Carmen Naidu called Give Me the Light. She's a she's a South African comedian that linked me up with the whole laughter on lockdown. So that's it's oh, very cool brilliant. to see. They're brilliant people. It's, oh. it's very cool to see all these bridges being built in the time of the pandemic. You know, like I'm, I'm, this is very cool to be doing a podcast in Egypt. You know, yeah, because yeah, we're... well, you know, I've been practicing my South African accent. You know, working with those laughter on lockdown people, and this will be a nice shout out to. Uh, Laughter on Lockdown South Africa. Check them out on Instagram. They do an yeah. open mic night at 7.30 local South African time, which is about 5.30 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, which is whatever time it is in America. Yes, yes. Six hours before that. Six hours before that. So depending on which time zone you before the GMT. Before the GMT. Yeah, with the yeah. GMT. Yeah, you know me. Greenwich. Is that when the day changes from like today to... Where does the day change from today to yesterday? yesterday to today 
Is it the GMT? Um, Where's like the well, zero line? Greenwich in the UK, Greenwich Mean Time. That's what GMT stands for, Greenwich. And that's where it goes from like yesterday to tomorrow? So like if it's five in the afternoon, Greenwich Mean Time, it's six o'clock in Paris, but it's 12 noon on Eastern Standard Time. Right. That Okay, like, I guess time like, just so keeps it's moving. Like, well, basically, yeah. So if it's five in the afternoon in London... Well, it's I guess new. there's no there's no starting point of time. It just keeps. Well, moving. that's where it originally. That's where the zero is. Is at Greenwich. So it's like oh. it, so like New York or Eastern Standard Time would be GMT minus five. The origin of time and T Greenwich. Is Greenwich. Well, I thought India were the people who created tea. Well, now it is called English tea. Well, English breakfast tea still gets its leaves from India. Yes, but they call it, they don't call it Indian tea. They call it English tea. Of course not, because white people are predominantly racist when it comes to purchasing products, unless it's Auntie, Uncle Ben or Auntie Jemima. Both who have been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the name? There's that Indian brand of food. She's like an Indian cook. Uh, I'm, I'd know. have she to look it up. It over here. You look it up. You look it up and and send it and to let, me. I'll send it to you. I'm gonna uh, watch a Time to Kill this week, I think, and uh, and keep you updated on my theory of whether or not Sandra Bullock is actually a woman or a good actress. So funny, <laughs> such a dumb theory. Um, Why? Why did that even come to exist? Oh, and it's lunchtime for me now, so I'm going to go make some. Well, listeners, Lunch that in. was listeners that was Sonal Agarwal. Very nice. From Chicago in Illinois. All her links will be in this episode. So now you've been a phenomenal guest, and thank you for being on Safeable Candles, the show with no name. Stay safe. Always. Always. Oh, it's such a pleasure talking to you. I'll see you soon. Listeners, peace be upon you. Namaste and all that. Thank you.